songs like this, you can't write. Songs like mm. this, you can't compose. Songs like this comes to your heart. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I have Dorcas Withers, and we're going to be talking about Dorcas's song, Mama Song, which is yet unreleased. But first, Dorcas, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you having me. As I said, we're going to be listening to your song. And so without further ado, let's listen to the song. Peace, I love you. 
Welcome back. So, Dorcas, my first and favorite question to always ask is, what came first? Was it the music or was it the lyrics? I think it was the lyrics. The lyrics came first, and then I tried to find, like, the right sound and tone to put it out well. I know most people are listening to the music, so I try to find that right tone so that once they listen to the music, they can now focus on the lyrics. But the um, the lyrics definitely came first because it was like, it's so close to my heart. With lyrics being the first part of the song, did you, I'm curious about your writing style. Like, did you think about what you wanted to write about or did did it just kind of like, there were words that just started appearing in your head? I'm just curious because everybody has a different way of doing it. So I'm, I'm curious what your process is for writing lyrics. Most of the time when I write lyrics, it'll be something of significance in my life that happened that'll make me start thinking about that situation and how it formulates in my mind with this song in particular just to give you a background my mother she was heavy into drugs for the first seven to eight years of my life I stayed with her and went through the process of watching her battle her addiction at the time she felt that she needed to get herself together she sent me to live with my father and when she sent me to live with my father I didn't have a connection with her for about two years I didn't see her contact or nothing like that when I did contact her you know we got back and I think our relationship Relationship was way stronger then after we reconnected and I've always been a mama's baby. Unfortunately in 1994 she was raped and killed in Chicago, Illinois by the Inglewood rapist and um, she was raped and killed. I think that's where the lyrics came just thinking about everything that went on in my life and how it was going as far as my relationship with her and how it affects me now knowing that she's gone. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's how I came up with the lyrics. I did get a sense you know that there there was there was some tragedy to this but also very like this very strong deep love for your mother you started writing the lyrics and then you found a beat that you wanted to use over it and like what what about the beat that like drew you into using that as as a back backing for your lyrics the first track i actually came up with and the reason why i came up like with the title was the boys to men song mama the mama song that was that was um the first track i heard that fit perfectly to this song i was listening to uh, uh, mo3 and his instrumentals and a lot of his instrumental has like a powerful feeling mm-hmm. and when i heard the instrumental from the mo3 song i'm like that's the one you know and the only problem i have is i can't sing work a bit so if any of your followers want to pick up the chorus i do not have a problem with them <laughs> featured on the chorus because i cannot sing <laughs> So you'd even be interested in like reworking this and doing doing another piece where somebody features on the on the chorus? Oh, absolutely! I love to have um, somebody else as far as on the chorus because, like I say, my voice is like raspy and, and like kind of low tone, and uh-huh. to me it don't sound right on the chorus. And <laughs> like I picture like the melody in my head, like it's hard to explain, but I picture the melody in my head, yeah. and I think when. When people hear the chorus, I think it'll probably be a, quite a few people that be like, let me try, and I, and I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> so this is, this is neat, because I, I like the fact that this is still, in some ways, kind of unformed. Like, it still has all sorts of potential. Like, you can work with, you can work with some other musicians and get this to, and like, flesh this out in a way that, like, maybe you picture in your mind, but you, right now you can't get it to happen that way. 
right? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. The reason why it's, it's like this song right here, this particular song is so personal to me, you know, and it's raw. And mm -hmm. the reason why I've always left it raw because you want to find that perfect niche that fits to the song. And right. I didn't want to push just any vocals on the chorus. I wanted that to be that right vocal where people yeah. would be like, the lyrics from the song as well as the person singing the chorus, like my lyrics with their chorus, like it hits your heart. That's what I yeah. look for. There's a special relationship between like a son and a mother. It hurts to think of I mean, I, I can't necessarily say that I know exactly what that's like, what you went through. To lose to lose a mother just is, sounds horrible, and also in, in such, such a way that, that you lost her. I find it interesting how this gets divided up by the chorus, but then only two verses. I feel like the, there's kind of that first verse, you're kind of reflecting back on it. And, and about your relationship and the things that you miss. And in the second verse, is there something I could have done to make it better? Or is that making some kind of sense? I try to interpret as best I can and I try to, to look at it through my worldview and I, I just, it just, this, this breaks my heart but also warms my heart in a way because there's such a love that you're exuding also towards your mother, which I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but, but I, I appreciate, I could tell that this piece means something very important to you. With this particular song, like, this was my baby. This, like, this song was my baby. And the reason being is that, like, as you said on the first verse, at the time I wrote this song, I was in um, segregation. I had three and a half years segregation. Uh, I was incarcerated in my own. When I wrote it, it just was me sitting in the room talking to my mother. Like, this was a time that I was literally talking to her. Like, she had already passed away and everything, but it was just, I had nothing else to do. I felt like everything was going down, like going wrong and going downhill. So I just opened up, like, just talking to her. And I opened up the exact same way I opened up the song. I think two or three sentences of me talking to her, I told myself, like, okay, let me write this down and formulate, like, so I could tell the world like what I was doing at this moment. So the first verse was like pretty much our introduction into how our relationship was prior to her sending me to my father and then how my relationship was after I got back reconnected with her. The ending of the first verse was pretty much a situation that she had with a boyfriend of hers that used to beat her. And that was my, um, the first time that I had ever intervened. I had always, I was a child, I wasn't number 14 years old when she got locked, when she died. But I, that was the first time that I intervened, like, it's not gonna be no more. The second verse was like me really sitting here taking into, facing the fact that I'm not gonna be able to speak to her face to face no more on this physical plane. And just letting people know that through all you go through with your mother, I'm talking about you have people who tell their parents, tell their mothers, especially they hate them and this and so forth and so on. But like, just sit back and remember that these words may be your last words to her. You know what I'm saying? Like you never know what's gonna happen. And you should cherish the fact that regardless of what y'all going through in life, she was the only one that's gonna, she was the only one that really stuck by you through everything, you know, like, yeah. and for you to disrespect us and, and come off to her as being angry or what, for whatever reason, and 
you have to realize that everybody has trials and regardless of the trials that my mother went through, I still loved her for that. And I never realized how much I loved her until she was gone. So these things I couldn't say to her face to face, so I say to her in this song, that's my, my love, showing my love for her, showing my, like, this is how I remember you. You know, yeah. through everything, this is how I remember you. And in some ways, to be able to like memorialize someone in like a song, just to be able to encapsulate the way that you feel about someone. And I, and I really do appreciate, even just beyond our relationship with our mothers, but also just our relationship with each other is like something that we, our words have, have an impact. Like our, we, you have to realize that the time that you see someone may be the last time that you see them. And I think that that's something that we somehow know, but we don't really know. Like, we don't hold on to that all the time and think, oh, this may be the last time. Why not have my words be words of kindness or, or something? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. You, I'm just thinking out loud here while, while uh, I'm listening to your words and thinking about how, in, in some ways, this is a love letter to your, your mom in some ways, but also kind of a memorial for your mom as well. I mean, I mean, yeah, so. Yeah, absolutely, y'all. And my hopes, my hopes for this is for that one person that may listen to this song and may be going through some type of turmoil with their mother, you know what I'm saying, or with their father, whoever it may be, just to sit back and think that this song could be you. So why not try to take the time that you have with your mother and and love it and enjoy it, you know what I'm saying, celebrate her and thank her for the, the contribution that she did for you if it wasn't but to birth you. Right. You have to realize that she gave you, she gave you that because she gave you the blessing of coming into this world no matter how, how much tragedy and turmoil there is in it. Like, appreciate her for that. You know? Yeah. And show her that appreciation before there's no time to show her that appreciation. Yeah. Usually I like to bring up what I think in listening to the song, like what is my favorite part or what is the most meaningful part that really speaks to me. I was thinking in the first verse, the way that you describe when you say, and, and it's and it's pretty early in the verse where it's just like, I wish this was that time that you left for a while and then you dropped me off. You hugged me and smiled and said, listen, mama's baby, you know that I love you, but mama's got to make some changes. Take care of your brother at this time. I, there's like this, and I'm going to jump a little bit more about this part where that I was young as tears fell from my face and I jumped in your arms and wrapped my legs around your waist and held you tight and said, Mama, please don't go. Everything is going to be all right. Even though I didn't necessarily experience that specifically, like, I pictured that and I could feel that. So... I like when a piece of music like either just captures a certain emotion or a certain feeling, whether I've experienced it or not, but it's enough to actually impart that back to me. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to necessarily have experienced it to uh, get a sense, not saying that I fully understand that feeling, but to get a sense of that feeling. So I feel like, you know, when a song can reach out and grab that, I I really appreciate that. So to me, that, that little section in there is my favorite part in there. So I'm just curious what 
what's your favorite part is? Yeah, it's amazing because I think that was the part that I think that was the part that hit me the most too. And not only you, but like everybody who's heard this song say that exact same thing. Mm -hmm. The reason why I think is because that every single line, every single word, 100% truth, it happens literally in that mm -hmm. sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that songs like this, you can't write. Songs like mm -hmm. this, you can't compose. Songs like this comes to your heart. Huh. Like most artists who loves the music and love the artistry, like they realize that you're gonna always come across that one song that's not your song, even though you wrote it. You know, like this is not your song. You know, like this is a song for the mass. This is a song for the heart. Mm. And that part right there, I think most people draw to because it's like to know that your mother telling you she's separating from you, she's leaving. Mm -hmm. You know, regardless of what it's for, she's leaving. As a child, when you have that much love for your mother, when she tells mm. you like, okay, I have to leave you here, I'm leaving, right. it hurts. And the first thing a child thinks is like, okay, what I do? You know, like, what I do wrong? And that was my master at the time. And that's why, like, in the words it says, you know, like, I wrap my leg around your waist and held you tight and told your mom, please don't go, everything is all right. I promise I would never do it, whatever I done. Like, it's like, yeah. I don't know what I did, but, I, but it wasn't even, it's not you. It's something right. that she has to do in order to better care for you. Right. And that's what she was going through at the time. Like, she had to face her addiction. And she no longer wanted to face her addiction with her children in the home. Mm. So she said, okay, let me place you somewhere and I'll I'm gonna get myself together. I'm gonna be all right. I'll be back. But mm -hmm. as a child, you're not seeing that. As a child, right. you're seeing like, okay, you getting rid of me because I did something wrong. Mm -hmm. you know, and like, and it was like at that moment, it was like whatever it was. Like I ain't gonna do it no more. Just please, like. But it wasn't the case, and she had to take that journey as well as I had to live through my own journey from her journey. Mm. Although I feel like we've touched on this already, but I'm, I'm just curious, like, why did you pick this song to be the song you wanted to talk about today? Well, with me, it's like, I have a love for music, and I've been through a lot of things in my life, and a lot of my music reflects what I've been through in my life, but I'm also, like, real particular on how I introduce myself to people or how I approach people, how people see me and my character. And I think this song mm. right here is the, is the song out of, out of my collection. I think this is the song that I want people to see because I want you to know who I, this is who I am. Mm. You know, and a lot of my other songs is a reflection of how I was raised mentally, how I was brought up, the environment I brought up, and it brings out that. And I don't want that to be the first introduction to me because I don't want people to be like, oh, oh we got another drill rapper from Chicago or whatever. You know what I'm saying? No, that's 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 not me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Even though I have these songs, that's like that's that's not me. That's what I witnessed, that's what I experienced in my life. So I don't glorify, this is what I glorify. Hmm. This is me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That is just a reflection of what I went through and me adapting to my environment. You see what I'm saying? So I wanted people to first see who I was and see my passion before they get a chance to see everything else in my music and you know because one thing people do especially with music is your music is going to dictate how they see you mm -hmm. so when you put this music out you have to believe that somebody is going to take this music and say okay this is who this person is 
and so I figured this was the perfect song to show this is who I am. Yeah. There's actually a part in the second verse, like towards the end, yeah. where I said, when I ran the streets, she stayed at home praying for me in the window. She weak, thinking I was dead in the streets, and it's life I live. I know I live for you, G. It should have been me, and you should be walking these streets until we meet again. I help you. I rest in your peace. And I want people to understand those words because I honestly believe that at the time she passed away in the mind state that I was in, I felt like she deserved more of a life in this world than I did. Those words was really like the words that inspired me to do, you know, like my podcast and to speak on the subject of my podcast because I want a lot of people to understand that this song is just one of the songs that reflects my mental state and I understand how people think when they have trauma in their life or when they feel like they're in a position to where they don't feel like they contribute to the world so they feel like it'll be best for me to be gone from the world mm -hmm. than to fight and try to contribute to the world those words was really like my small introduction into the podcast that I have coming up and the essence of my podcast Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Jubilee Cafe Jubilee Cafe is a free weekly meal program at Community United Church of Christ, 805 South 6th Street in Champaign, Illinois. Jubilee Cafe serves a home-cooked meal from 5 to 6.30 each Monday. Their mission is to feed hungry people by cooking healthy, delicious meals and by serving their guests restaurant-style with servers waiting on tables. Jubilee Cafe is open to anyone who cares to eat with them. Because food insecurity among students is so high, they serve students as well as others in and around the Champaign-Urbana community who struggle with hunger. Meals are free to all and will be served each Monday evening, located in the accessible lower level of the building at 6th and Daniel Streets in Champaign. For more information on the meal or how to volunteer, Go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email them at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. That's jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So, Dorcas, I'm just curious. So, what does a good community look like? And and usually I do this from the approach of, like, what does a good music scene um, look like? But I'm also thinking, you know, for you, it's a bigger community, right? Like, that you are envisioning that you want to make better. So, I'm just curious, what do you think makes a good community? I think the most important part of a good community is diversity because most of the way ancestors grew up and as well as we grew up is that we're clouded into this one community and in the communities that we're clouded in we don't get to see the diverse world that's out there we're stuck into the the box of this community and even in, and even when we look outside our own community and to other communities we're seeing that same thing so my biggest thing as far as community one is diversity two is just respect like even if you don't like an individual you have to show them that respect 
that court that I like just being cordial. There's no way. Uh, I remember my grandmother used to always say the community raises a child. Mm. I think the reason why she said that a lot of people just think like, oh, she just mean that whatever that child, that community that child come up in, that's what he's gonna be a product of. And it doesn't mean that. It means that at one point in time, we all have to come together collectively to love these children. Even if you have a, you have a single parent mother who's raising her children and you know the struggles that she's going to, I think it's an obligation for the community to assist her in raising this child. Because if this community doesn't assist her in raising this child properly in the way, the way he or she should be raised, mm -hmm. Then this child is gonna go out and find someone that will, and most of the time, it's a negative impact. Right. So I think like the most important thing is just showing that love, like for those around you. And I think I get that from my faith aspect. A lot of people say religious, but I, I don't. I don't believe in religion. I think religion is man-made. I think faith is something that's given mm. by birth, and I think that's what builds a community. That faith that. Regardless of what faith you practice, every last one of them teaches that you have to be that bearer of your community. You have to be that protector of your community. And that's what we need. And that's what we're missing. Right. It's important that we build a community that reflects a positive outreach, a positive outlook on life. Right. To the very nature of what community is, you know, it's not just me, it's how I am within my community and how I make the community better. Absolutely. So, before we began recording, we were talking about your intention to start a podcast that, in a way, contributes back to a community that means a lot to you, and the podcast is called Peace Away From Home, and I'm really excited to see how this takes shape, so I'm very happy to have this podcast be a, a platform for you to talk a little bit about your podcast. Tell me a little bit about your podcast, and even give a little little bit of a teaser here if you'd like absolutely as you said my podcast will be the peace away from home podcast and it's pretty much an introduction to who i am as a person and just to give you a bit as you said my name is dorcas withers i grew up in the south side of chicago inglewood neighborhood and me growing up i grew up in a household that was filled with organizational ties my father he knows a lot of people in organizations so me growing up I understood that I had a mental illness I knew that but I didn't understand mental illness around where I come from this is nothing that was taboo to talk about back then like you didn't talk about if you had a problem if you was depressed anything like that because you would be seen as being weak first and foremost in your home and then outside your home so you suppress these feelings and me suppressing these feelings as a youngster I acted out of anger. My rage was crazy and I never had no one to say, okay, let's take you here. Let's see what we can do to get control of this rage. 
So it just fed. It just fed. I was incarcerated at the age of 16 for uh, murder and attempt murder that I, that I did not commit, but I was charged with it because of the name I had in the neighborhood. So officers wanted to exploit that and use me and my name in order to build and further their career. So I went through the justice system and I was found guilty and I did 27 years incarceration. And during my 27 years incarceration, I really found out what mental illness was and how mental illness affects the world. There was one show I seen, I think it said like 98% of the country has a mental underlying mental health condition. Even if it's minor depression, that is a mental health condition. And this is what I think the world don't understand. And that minor depression, those people, oh, I could take care of myself. I don't need nobody help and so forth and so on. But not realizing that that minor depression now, if goes untreated, can become major mental health disabilities in the future which is what happened to me. And the things that I've seen, the things that I experienced in the Department of Corrections, which I will get into in my podcast, like, it's unfathomable. Like, you can't believe, like, that couldn't happen, or this doesn't happen, or this can't happen, but it actually does. And I've seen, like, individuals 19 years old come to the Department of Corrections with 90 years and, and has been so mentally destroyed that they commit suicide. That they feel like that will be better than going through the abuse that I'm going through while here. And a lot of guys who overcome that, they get back into society. And what a lot of people in society doesn't understand is that you could say, oh, you free now, you shouldn't have no worries. No, because the time that you do in the Department of Corrections, especially if it's 10 years plus, will affect you because you're put in an unnatural habitat and you're told you have to adapt to this habitat and the only way you can adapt to the habitat of the department of corrections is to become that to harden your heart you have to blacken your heart you have to feel like what I do will not like will not mentally affect me. You have to literally become dead inside because this is the only way you're gonna be able to survive. There are vultures in that place that does things that 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 can scar a person for life. I'm talking about whether it be other inmates or whether it be correctional officers, there are vultures, you know, that's that that misuses individuals. And these guys coming out into society, you have to remember have that same mind state, that PTSD mind state, that I can't be around a lot of people like that, you know, just the feel of every time you conversate with somebody or every time you try to co-mingle, you always on a point of who is this dude? What, what ulterior motive did he have to be talking to me and so forth and so on? And the opportunities that were given that we're told we're given before we be released into society is not the opportunity that's given. Me, for instance, like I'm literally there, literally telling me that I can't get a job because I was released from a mental health treatment center. So I can't get a job because they think I might, my mental illness might trigger at the workplace. So they tell me to put in for disability. Hmm. I went 10 months putting in for my disability and got denied. Went through the appeal process and got denied. Now I'm in court trying to get my disability. But they're telling me until then, they're gonna, they will give me $340 to live on for a whole month. I have an apartment, that's mine. Like I have my own apartment, but like there's bills. There's all these things that you need in life that $340 will never be able to take care of. Yeah. But they tell you, okay, here, we'll give you this. And once your disability is approved, 
you have to pay all the money that they gave you back. Like, this is not assistance. They call it general assistance, but this is not assistance. This is pretty much a loan without interest. <laughs> and that's that's what my podcast is. I'm hoping that my podcast to open up an avenue. I want your listeners and everybody else that's around me that's going to listen to my podcast to know that I want this to be a form of where that child that just came from school and got bullied can come and say, this is what I'm going through. How do I overcome this? Mm. That child whose parents, whose mother is on drugs and father never been in their life, I can come here and tell you what I'm dealing with. How can I get through this? That individual who's come, who came out of incarceration and feel like there's no other choice for him but to go back to the streets in order to take care of himself, mm-hmm. no, you can come to this form and we will assist you in getting us assistance that you need just as I found individuals to give me the assistance that I need. This is the purpose of my podcast. It's to bring, I like, like, let's bring the world, I don't care where you're at in the world, let's bring the world together at this forum and know that you can come here and speak freely and you will not be judged and you don't have to worry about no harsh and violent kickbacks from what you say. This is your piece away from home. Mm-hmm. Like I want to, I want to build a family because family is not those that who you are related to by blood. Family is those who are connected to by the heart. And I want to build a family of individuals who we can come together and not only me assist them and what they're going through, but them also assist me in what I'm going through. Right. So that's the purpose. Amazing. That's great. Gosh, I don't even know if I have any questions. That was that was amazing. So thank you for sharing. And hopefully we'll be hearing Peace Away From Home on your favorite podcast platform sometime soon. So. Absolutely, perfectly, perfectly. Champagne is also a band. Podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, Torcus, I have to ask, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? One, sports. But my passion is reading. During my incarceration, like, I've learned that education is the key to life. Like, if you don't know what happened to your ancestors or happened to people around you in the past, then you'll never understand why people do what they do. So I chose to read, and I didn't. I'm not talking about the urban novels that most people say they read in the in the Department of Corrections. I'm talking about like serious reading. Like I've read books such as As a Man Thinketh, which is like the number one book I tell everybody you must read. James Allen, As a Man Thinketh, must have. Please read it. 
you understand you. This book literally helps you to understand you. I'm just curious. And what about that book actually like spoke to you? What did it teach you about yourself? It made me realize that because like a lot of people in the world, as me, myself, has done it many times before, is when certain situations happen, we tend to think that this wasn't my fault. Hmm. And uh, I'll give a prime example. When I got incarcerated for this crime and went to trial and got found guilty and did all that time, I've always said, like, man, this ain't my fault. This ain't my case. I didn't do this, which is true. I didn't do it. But to say it's not my fault is not true. Because one thing this book taught me is that everything you go through has to go through a thought process first. Hmm. And your thought will be the direct cause of what happens to you in your future. Meaning that if you bring a friend in your house and he steals something, you say, oh, it's, he stole out my house, it's his fault. No, it's your fault because you didn't study this individual who, who you called your friend and you allowed him around things that was precious and dear to you. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't his fault for stealing, it was your fault for bringing him in. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. this is the thought process that they talk about. That everything you do in life, people say talks about premeditation, which is a thought process. And people talking about, oh, well, that wasn't premeditated. He just did it on a whim. No, you didn't just do it on a whim. Hmm. Because even if an individual runs across the street and hit somebody in the head, before he thought to run across the street and hit that person in the head, he thought, oh, they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So he had to think, what am I finna do to him? Or what am I? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It all comes from a thought. And this book teaches you that your thoughts is a di- direct consequence of your actions. Like, mm-hmm. it becomes your thought. So if you sit back before you do anything and think, yeah. then that's what, the, whatever results you get out of that action was a direct result of that thought first. And people do it unconsciously. Like people, people do things and be like, "Ooh, that was on the whim." No, it wasn't because before all that happened, if you sit down, you sat in your house or you sat wherever you was at and had some type of thought about that action before you did it, because everybody thoughts tells you a right and a wrong on the scale. So you know there's consequences behind everything I do. You know, so it's always a thought. As a man, think of James Allen. Please read. What would you say would be a thought that you want to have predominantly in your brain as, as like the premeditative thought? What would you say is like the number one thing to just kind of keep in your brain to have a good life or to live a good life? That every individual that you come across, regardless of what title people put on them, regardless of what people think about them, is a good person. They're only acting out what they've been taught. And I tell people this a lot when they be like, I hate these type, I hate white because they racist, or man, I hate them because, but you have to understand that no one was born that way. At the end of the day, every single cell, every single blood, every in your body is the same, exact same as another person's regardless, besides the DNA process. But I'm talking about, we're ha- we have the same blood. It runs through your body the same way. Your All your organs act the same way. So in turn, we are the same people. 
Mm-hmm. We're only different by what we were taught. So everybody is good. And I've had a chance, like I've had a chance to sit down with real life, like white supremacists or real mm-hmm. life Latinos and real life blacks, black gorilla family and so forth and so on. And I've sat down with these people and everybody I've sat down with always said the same thing to me. And that's, I thought I hated this group of people mm-hmm. until I met you. And then I tell people to, you have to understand that you only know what you're told. So this person only hates this group of people because he's never interacted with somebody from that group of people. And if he did, it probably was a bad reaction or they came to this situation thinking this is going to be a bad outcome. When in turn, these people are just, like, they, they're exactly like the next person. It's just a different way of being told. And if we can come together and discuss the differences that we may have, mm. I think it'd be a much better place. Like, Dorcas, thank you for being on the show. I've really appreciated just talking with you and like, you know, even though the first place we wanted to meet up was closed, but I was glad that we were able to make this work. And, you know, it's been a real pleasure just to be able to chat with you. So thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'd like to let everybody know that this is actually my introduction and my first intro into being in radio, period. And um, the, um, the, the respect and the cordiality you showed me, I do appreciate and I do respect. Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Dorcas Rivers reminding you great music is out there. Go find it where you live. Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> studio. South Peter on the inside.